0: Thanks, Mads. Today, we are joined by Audrey Assad to talk about the music and the message of Celine Dion. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Where do silent hearts go? Where does my heart beat now? Where is the sound that only echoes through the night? Where does my heart beat now? You might recognize these questions from the lyrics of one of the world's best singers and one of the best singers, I think, in history, Celine Dion. We're talking about her today because she's had a huge impact on the music of the last few decades, but also because she is one of my wife's favorite artists, and she's been telling me for a long time, "You got to talk about Celine Dion, and she's also one of the favorite artists of our guest today, Audrey Assad. I invited Audrey here today to have a conversation and to hear a bit of her story and to listen to her. I don't want to tell you too much of her story because I'd rather you hear it from her. A story that I'll share. A few weeks ago, I was talking with my friend Laura. We were at homecoming at our alma mater, the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and we were reminiscing about old times and catching up on who we've seen and who we've talked to. Oh, Have you talked to this person? Have you talked to this person? And at one point she asked me, does it ever make you sad that so many of our friends are no longer practicing their, their Catholic faith? And, you know, we went on retreats with all these people. We sang songs to all these people. We went to praise and worship adoration. We prayed rosaries together. We did service work together. We went on mission trips together. Uh, some of them were in our weddings as groomsmen and bridesmaids. Some of them are godparents to our children. And it seems that slowly through the years, many of them no longer call the Catholic faith their own. And I said, yeah, that does make me think sometimes. And I, and I do wonder about that. Now, normally on this show, what I try to do is I try to find the awesomest, most engaging Catholics and Christians I can find who are alive in their faith and communicate it well. And a few years ago, many Catholic podcasts would have said near the top of that list, the person you got to talk to, one of those people is Audrey Assad. She's, in my opinion, arguably the best female voice in Christian music. Just you listen to her sing. It's amazing. But a few years ago, Audrey kind of bravely, I think, announced to the world a little bit about her spiritual journey that she no longer really calls the Catholic faith her own. We're going to hear her story today. So I invited her here to talk a little bit about why, because I think for many of us, the Catholic faith can be a struggle. It's countercultural. It goes against so much of what our world sees as good and beautiful. It's, It's a very kind of sign of contradiction for many of the things. And I've I've felt that too. And I've had my own struggles and ups and downs with faith. And knowing Audrey, a little bit of Audrey's story, reading her blogs, hearing some of her talks, listening to her music, I almost feel like I know her a little bit, even though I've only met her for the first time just a few minutes ago. So I kind of took a risk and said, would you be willing to come on the show and share with us about your journey? Because I think it's something that I can learn from and maybe we can learn some too. So we're not here to have a debate. We're just here to learn from other people. So I want to thank Audrey for her generosity and vulnerability to come on here and share with us you know, even random strangers on the internet a little bit of her story. And in pop culture catechism fashion, we're going to do all this through the lens and the music of Celine Dion. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people each year through different events all over the place and leading worship all over the place. And through this show, Pop Culture Catechism, this is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies where we take a look in the Uh, music and the movies that you're plugged into. And we try to find God's love in those things so that when we unplug and go out in the real world, we can have a better awareness of God's love in our hearts and live in that love and share it with the people around us. And so that's our goal by the end of today. Hopefully you'll learn a little something. You'll be asking some more of the right questions. You'll have a greater appreciation for Celine Dion. And hopefully we'll be filled with a little more peace and love in our hearts to share with the world. I want to give a special thank you to our patrons who support this show through popculturecatechism.com and our sponsor for the episode, Catholicmerch.store. And all the swag you buy through that store supports the shows here on Awakening Catholic. I want to welcome to our show, Audrey Assad. Audrey, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing, uh, pretty well. I'd say I'm about 78% on the health scale. uh, Thank you for being here. I appreciate your perseverance. Glad to be here. Yeah. thank you for having me.
0: So, uh, I'm Mm -hmm. sure some people who are listening to the show know who you are. Some people probably don't. Um, what, what are you up to these days? What are you doing?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm very busy parenting. I have two children, nine and six. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that's, you know, first and foremost, what I'm up to. But then I am also releasing a bunch of new music and started doing that in June. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two singles out towards this album that I crowdfunded. Um, mm-hmm. And I am finishing all the songs for that and just getting them out into the
0: world. That's awesome. Yeah. I am super excited me to too, hear the new stuff. You you put out um, a, a couple songs under a different name a couple, like maybe a year ago.
1: Uh, are you thinking of um the overstory by chance yes, the overstory yeah stuff. that was a yeah, few yeah. i was actually in 2020 believe it or not oh, or 2021 <laughs> maybe when we released it i can't remember yeah. the pandemic makes everything a blur yeah we does. we yeah. recorded it right before everything locked down oh, man. in february of 2020 but yeah um two friends of mine and i formed a little band and recorded five or six songs i think that uh yeah. we'd worked on and they're kind of you know just songs about life and love and Yeah. I I
0: liked them. Some of them were just like very, very cut to the heart. (laughs) (laughs) So I really appreciate that. I
1: loved them. And yeah, we hope to do something else someday. We'll see. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Very
0: cool. So we'll get more into this as we go through and talk about Celine Dion and and so forth. We'll get more into your story, but kind of tell us for those who don't know us, can you give us kind of the the broad strokes of your (laughs) spiritual journey through the years? I know that's a tall order.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I've, I've, you know, It's um, something people ask me on a regular basis, so I feel like I've got it, you know, memorized at this point. But Mm -hmm. I was raised in New Jersey by my Syrian refugee dad and my American mom, and we were part of a church called the Plymouth Brethren, which is sort of a Quaker-adjacent type of... um, I say that not because all the spiritual beliefs were the same, but a lot of the uh, ascetic practices, so women covering their heads um dressing quite differently than the world let's say you know um and yeah so i was raised in a very non-hierarchical protestant tradition very simplistic and very focused on um the end times actually so grew up steeped in the book of revelation and waiting for the second coming kind of kind of thing it was an yeah. interesting way to grow up in And then I also, um, became a Catholic eventually, but between, so I left the Plymouth Brethren when I was 19, I became a Catholic at the age of 24. And in that five year period, I kind of church hopped backwards. It was like Baptist Presbyterian. Maybe I'm going to be Episcopal. Nope. Too liberal at the time. And then I ended up in the Catholic church at the age of 24 as an adult convert. Um, and Which, gosh, it was an amazing experience. And I still, I I just don't really see another way it could have gone. It was sort of Mm -hmm. like my curiosity couldn't let me just settle for a small slice of Christian tradition when I knew that there was this old and kind of massive, yeah, rich bank, I guess, storehouse of older thought and older practice. I really felt like if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be a Christian who's doing the Christianity that's grown from the beginning, not something yeah. that started in the 1800s as a response to clericalism. You know, yeah, that was gotcha. the way my mind works. And I just ended up a Catholic. And um, then, I mean, it's so hard to fit the next part into a short amount, but I guess I'll just say in 2016, I, I started trauma therapy because I was um, diagnosed with CPTSD which is like PTSD, except not from one major event, but from a Mm -hmm. slow drip of smaller events in my childhood. And um, when I started trauma therapy, it was almost like I had this awakening to the fact that my faith, my original faith, the faith in the idea of Jesus Christ as God, of there being one God who is benevolent and all-knowing and who knows me in his personal, you know, all of that foundation to my systems of belief in my practices as a religious person was something I had never even taken a moment to really question. And once I did start doing that, um, you know, for various reasons, it fell apart like a house of cards for me. Mm. And that's a long story. I, I'm, yeah, I know sure. I'm kind of shorthanding, but in broad strokes, that's what happened. Um, I got divorced after that point, I ended up stopping practicing um, Catholicism and Christianity in general. And so now I'm here as a sort of nun, I guess as they term them, N-O-N-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I used to sort of, inner like I had an inner scoffing at those people mm. um, for so long and it's like the universe and God paid me back by bringing me into that same camp. Um, so that I have a lot more understanding of why people end up here because I've ended up here. And, yeah. uh, I actually think that's a beautiful experience to have. I sort of have room for everything in my, in myself. I've, I have so much room for people to believe differently than me mm-hmm. because I know that, uh, I guess I don't believe anything is as simplistic as some of us would like to make it, including angry atheists, you know, it's, so that's not where I landed.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, I think the, the word that I think in the Catholic tradition, we would ascribe to what you're describing is humility. You know, there's, oh. a, a, <laughs> I hope a, so. A, yeah. It's a, a certain amount of, you know, I don't see myself as superior. I have some compassion for where people have gone. And uh, I think uh, you say, you know, maybe I, I would have kind of scoffed at people in those situations. And I've, I've, I've found that in myself. And as somebody who has kind of devoted himself to a life of evangelism, you know, I, make content for the internet. I talk at youth groups. I spent a long time in Catholic schools. You know, I'm I'm trying to like let people know about the love of Jesus. There can be a real temptation to be like, all right, there's like the solid, like real Catholics. And then there's like the lapsed Catholics. And then there's like the Catholics who maybe go to church, but then they like still use um, cafeteria Catholics, yeah, cafeteria Catholics There's like uh, the practicing Catholics. Like we kind of have these labels yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I'm often challenged when I read the stories of the gospel, how often Jesus is like, Pointing his finger at the super religious people and being like, "Look, you don't got it." This guy beating his breast and saying, "Like, have mercy on me, a sinner." Like, that's that's who's got it. You know, it's not the it's not the older brother who says, "Yes, Father, I'll go work in the fields," and then ne- never does it. It's the brother who says, "No, I'm not going to go work in the fields," but then actually goes out and do- and does it. And so, I think that's an important message for those of us who claim that we have the capital T truth to have some humility there. That, like, you know, I'm not. I'm not better than anybody else. Yeah, and, and
1: like Jesus really modeled um, not obsessing over whether someone has done all the right things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's challenging. And if it's not challenging, it's not really Jesus teaching, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. Uh, he really uh-huh. issued a lot of challenges to a lot of kinds of people, not just Pharisees yeah, and not just sure. religious people, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that seems characteristic of his uh, influence, you know.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to get into a little bit of Celine Dion. But before I do, I just want to give a disclaimer from our my listeners um, and the audience. Sometimes on this show, we have discussions that are sensitive. We've talked about like racism and feminism and war and sex, uh, you name it. And I just I want to reiterate. Audrey and I aren't here to debate, but to try to learn from the experience of others. And in this case, we're trying to learn from someone who has had a different experience of the church than maybe some of us have had. And I know we won't agree on everything. There might be some things that she says or that I say that you might not agree with, and probably lots of things that we don't say that you think, oh, you should have said this. Why didn't you say this? And I would just invite you as you listen to try to have the spirit of Ted Lasso and be curious, to try to have some humility and try to, you know, wherever you are on your spiritual walk or spiritual journey, be open to another person's perspective in listening. And so often in the gospel, when Jesus meets people, the first thing he does is he listens to them. And the next thing he does is he asks them some questions, right? And then he speaks. And so that's what I think we're going to try to do here is just try to have a conversation two people sharing about their experience of faith and their love of Celine Dion. So that's what we're going to do today. If you don't know who Celine Dion is, listeners, uh, she's a French-Canadian singer. She won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1988 at the age of 20, which I didn't know until I was researching for this episode. But she sold 200 million records worldwide. She's one of the best-selling music artists of all time, as Welling. She is the best-selling Canadian recording artist and the best-selling French language artist in history best Canadian recording artist I guess she just edged out Matt Maher there just uh you know (laughs) a little bit (laughs) she has five she has five Grammys and uh yeah she's 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 awesome so Audrey tell me what you love about Celine Uh,
1: okay so I'll just paint you a picture but when I was young I was as I said raised in the Plymouth Brethren and now Most kids in the Plymouth Brethren were not permitted to listen to any secular music, and we were a sort of exception. And when I say that, I mean my parents had this weird little short list of artists that we were allowed to listen to. And it was like Simon and Garfunkel, John Denver, um, Fleetwood Mac's Greatest Hits for Some Reason – And then Celine Dion and Jewel. And that was like the list, you know, we could listen to Jewel. Jewel. Yeah. (laughs) My dad really, really loved Jewel for some reason. And so we would listen to her sometimes. That's Um, quite the lineup. Yeah. It was an interesting group. I mean, it was a lot of my mom's favorite stuff, you know, that sort of like contraband, but not really, you know, it was so, I grew up listening to Celine because I couldn't listen to very much other than that. And, um, She just, I know she's corny, but like her voice really thrilled me. I remember being really young, like probably seven or eight, and I was sitting in the car and we had her playing on, you know, the minivan speakers. And I don't remember what song it was, but I was hearing all these harmonics in her voice. Like for listeners who aren't familiar with what that is, it's sort of like these overtones over a note. So you'll hear a C and then her voice was so powerful that I could hear other notes inside this note. And I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what a harmonic was, you know, but I'm like, mom, oh my gosh, she's singing like four notes at the same time. I can hear all these different notes. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I just, it would give me such a physical thrill and such an emotional thrill to hear her belt, her notes. And I would go up into my room and shut the door and get the hairbrush. I mean, fully, you know, Lion King giant t-shirt and just lip sync in the mirror to her songs. And one of them in particular, when I started going through puberty and like having crushes on people, I would be so distraught over whatever crush I was having at the time, not liking me back or whatever. And there was this one song that she had called, if you could see me now, which if you haven't heard it, go check it out and just imagine a 12 year old crying (laughs) and lip syncing to this song over some boy that was like, not even, I mean, I was just so over, you know, overwrought about it and celine gave me the perfect vehicle to kind of feel my feels you know yeah. and um so i just grew up with her i loved um her voice so much that i almost didn't care what she was singing because some of her songs i'll be honest i'm like these are these are cheesy songs like i yeah. there was one album she had where and i'm forgetting the name but it's the darker cover where she has big really smoky eyes and it's kind of yeah. like in the 90s anyway she has a song on there with this Jamaican artist. And it's like Celine puts on a Jamaican accent to sing the song. Is this, is
0: this the uh, treat her like a lady? Yes. Yeah. My wife was oh. playing this for in the, in the song the other day. I was like, it oh my God. It makes
1: gosh. me cringe to the bottom of my body. I'm just like, yeah. oh God. But so she seems to be a little oblivious of what might be, you know, considered <laughs> like, I be don't Culturally know. sensitive. Yeah. but yeah. But she's very kind hearted. I've noticed, I've watched a lot of interviews with her over the years and just seems like a really sweet human and who really cares about her fans. And I've always just really loved her. I feel like she's my aunt, you know, and she helped me think about my heart a lot as a younger person. So I, yeah, I have a lot of love for Celine.
0: I heard someone say once that what makes a good singer different from a talented singer is that when a good singer sings, you believe them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Bob Dylan had a terrible singing voice, but when he sang, you believed him that right. it was like real. And I think that's sometimes why why people kind of scoff at here's another Canadian artist like Nickelback or or like Creed, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like you know they're doing kind of the Kurt Cobain thing, but like you don't always really believe them that they're doing the Kurt Cobain thing. Whereas like Celine, even though the lyrics are cheesy, like I believe her when she yeah. sings about the throes and depths of passion, like. Yeah. I'd I believe her. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like she's
1: in touch with, to me, it seems like she's in touch with something that's beyond her personal specific circumstances when she's Mm -hmm. singing those songs. Like she's channeling some kind of a more universal spirit around a topic and people can relate to that feeling. And so even if it's not her real story, like she sings about love in ways that I know don't apply to her real life. Yeah. Because I know about her relationship with her husband. Obviously, I don't know the details, but like- I know how in love they were until the end and how loyal she was to him. And so Uh all these breakup songs are not coming from her personal experience because she married him when she was like, what, 18 years old or something, 19. And so that was her only relationship. So it's like, I know you didn't really break up with, you know, whoever, but but I believe you because you're feeling into something that we all feel at some time in our life. And she does seem to have that ability, I feel, Uh you know.
0: Yeah for sure. Her, uh, I kind of, I kind of love that she's a diva, you know, <laughs> she, she plays the part really well. She, there's a, my wife is telling me, apparently she's in a movie right now. I forget what it's called, but it's on Netflix. It's a rom-com. Uh, <laughs> and Celine Dion has like a, kind of a secondary role in it where she plays herself. And my wife's like, she's really good. Like she really plays up the, the part bet, really well. And I bet. She, yeah. She just I haven't seen the, that man. The quintessential diva. She's, I know yeah, what she's... my homework is. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, yeah. I love her. she, there's a really good documentary about her. I think you can just find it on YouTube, actually. Um, when she was traveling with her newborn twins on tour and just you get to see what she's really like to people and her fans that love her so much and how much attention she gives to them. And I just yeah, I, I respect her a lot. I think she's uh, she does play it up, but I think she maybe she's in on the joke. That's what I wonder, you know, like is she in? <laughs> well, she, on it? she
0: did the Deadpool song. yeah that video where Deadpool's like dancing around like ballet or whatever so I I think she is kind of in on the joke have you ever seen her live
1: tragically I have not and I guess I never will because she's very ill. And I don't, yeah, she's, she's got like recover. that muscle muscle tightness. <clears throat> yeah. Yep.
0: I, I had gotten my wife tickets as like a, her finishing grad school present. We were going to go see her when she came to DC a few years ago. And the date was like March 12th, 2020. Oh, and so <laughs> it got pushed oh, back because of the pandemic and then it got pushed so back again tragic. and then it got totally canceled. So I was oh, like, oh, I'm sorry. We go her. That's a yeah. bummer.
1: I mean, I, my heart goes out to her and, and her family because I think what she's ill with is very, very tragic Mm. and difficult. I read a recent statement, like it came out very recently from someone in her camp that said that she can barely move. She's, Mm. you know, barely speak, barely move. And she's, it's kind of like ALS from what I understand where your body just, you know, kind of takes over and you don't really have a choice in how well you're doing. And that's really tough, Mm -hmm. tough way to suffer.
0: All right. Well, can we jump into some songs here? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good so uh the first song I want to talk about this is one of her kind of later songs this is year like 2000 it's called that's the way it is
2: it's an uphill climb and i'm feeling sorry but i know it will come to you
0: Do you happen to know who wrote this off the top of your head? Is it Diane Warren? No, it's Max Martin. It is Max Martin. I did not know that. Yeah, and and if with if you listen to it with that in mind, you'll be like, oh yeah, this is a Max Martin song. It sounds like Backstreet Boys. It sounds like insane. Yeah, it it sounds like the uh, chords and
1: everything. Yeah, totally. uh
0: Oh wow! So yeah,
1: that tracks. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I was right. going to ask, you know, I, we could have done a Max Martin episode because I probably already have, but I, uh, love, I love Max Martin. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, he's great. Uh, listeners, if you don't know who Max Martin is, he's written like number one hits for every artist under the yeah. sun. He's like Swedish songwriting god. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, this song, I, I can read your mind. I know your story. I see what you're going through. It's an uphill climb. I'm feeling sorry. I know it will come to you. Don't surrender because you can win in this thing called love. So this song is basically... Like older Celine talking to a younger person who's down in the dumps, doesn't have love in their life. The the bridge says, "When life is empty with no tomorrow, when loneliness starts to call, baby, don't worry, forget your sorrow, because love's gonna conquer it all." So, um, do you relate to this <laughs> song at all? Like, do you when we talk about like love's gonna conquer it all? I mean, that's kind of cliche. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Do you think that's true? Oh.
1: Um, I, I don't know. I, I really hope so. I was just Mm -hmm. talking to someone about this. I know we weren't trying to get into a conversation about Palestine and Israel right now, but we don't have to get Mm -hmm. deep into it. But I was just talking to someone about this yesterday about how I feel a little jaded about, um, what's going to happen at the end of all this, you know, I'm like, I, I grew up believing that there would be a love that would set it all right at some point. Or like even as a Catholic with a more mature, I would say evolved belief in, you know, like a more nuanced belief system than I grew up with. Mm -hmm. I loved Dostoevsky and Dostoevsky would sort of talk about how like all these tears and all this pain that someday we're going to understand why it happened and we're going to have some kind of resolution. Um, Love will conquer it all, essentially. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if I believe that. I want to believe that. Um, but I can't say with any honesty that I actually do believe it. Uh, I, I definitely hold on to hope in that. I will say that. But I don't know that I believe that that's true.
0: Yeah, and Would I, love to. I think yeah, and and definitely. I think for me I'm not that I'm not that different from you, especially when I look at situations in the world is like, I don't know how this is going to Resolve, you know, and I even look at th- things in our country and, and, and politically, or even when I've looked at some situations in my own life with my, my family or my wife or a friend or something. And there are these times when it, it seems like, well, if this happens and this happens, and you, you can kind of understand what's happening, but you don't see a way through. I think that's a, that's a pretty common experience uh, of life, and, and especially with the, the Israel Palestine conflict. It is, there can be a kind of resignation, I think, to say, I just kind of want to throw my hands up and that, that can either look like despair, right? but I think it can also look like kind of like a hollow sort of faith. I think there can be a temptation from a faith perspective to be like, Oh, well, in the book of revelation, this is God's going to wipe every tear from every eye and then we're going to be good. Right. And so, you mm-hmm. know, God's going to take care of it all. I can just sit here safe in America and I don't need yeah. to worry about all those people like dying and, you know, yeah. Terrorism and civilian casualties and all those sorts of things. And I think there can be a real dismissiveness from a faith perspective uh, that is, is rejecting the hopelessness, but is, is not necessarily better than hopelessness. In fact, there, it might a- actually be worse. Like in the, in the letter of St. James, he says, you know, what good, is, what sort of, what good is your faith if a brother comes to you and says, Hey, I'm hungry. And you're like, dude, I will pray for you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> go God, and be good well. luck.
1: God, God bless, you know. God
0: bless you. And so I think. Yeah. The, the challenge for me is it's one to not lose hope, but to two, not just be like, all right, God, you got it. Cause well, yes, God, God, God gets it. And there's, there's this line in the song, don't surrender because mm-hmm. you can win. What is surrender there? There's a sort <laughs> yeah, of surrender. That's like hopelessness. Like I'm giving right, up, you know, right. I'm compromising my morals. I'm compromising who I am, but there's a different kind of surrender too, that I think can be really helpful in that doesn't look like giving up. Um, I, I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Vince Sherman and Army of Me. Are you familiar with that? I artist? know
1: Vince. Um, you know Vince? Yeah, yeah he's yeah, a good he's dude. Yeah. Yeah. He, we,
0: we, my wife and I danced to one of his songs at our, at our wedding, but he has a, a, a song where he says, although I've surrendered, I've, I'm not giving up. And I think that's, that's kind of a perspective I have where, yes, I trust in God's providence. Yes, I trust in the power of love to mm-hmm. get us through that love's going to conquer it all. But that doesn't mean I just get to sit back and do nothing. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean I get to give up in despair. It doesn't mean I get to give mm-hmm. up in in like an it kinda kinda letting God do all the work. You know, like I think part of faith is being faithful. And that means like putting in the work every day as best you can, you know? Like Yeah. Not that's the a very Catholic belief,
1: I feel. Yeah. Being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Yeah. And I wanna say too, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Taoism at all. Yeah. But yeah that's a very Taoistic type of principle. And I, you know, that principle of kind of the doing and the non-doing or the, the doubt and the faith, like all of those things living together is across several religions, you know, over the centuries there, because I think that's probably wisdom, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's something in the human heart. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about the Tao in his books. And uh, I I remember studying Taoism in, in college and being like, you sure this isn't like some Christianity or whatever, but I think it's just because God, you know, there's, there's a certain truth that you can find, you know? And, um, you know, and I believe the Catholic faith, there's a reason I'm Catholic and not Taoist, but there's definitely mm-hmm. um, something there that I think is, is really true and good and good and beautiful. And, um, or as, and I think
1: a lot of people have experienced that that is the wisest way, you know, yeah, um, for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. If you, have you ever read Anthony de Mello? He's a Jesuit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he, he, he talks about like kind of the confluence of, christianity catholicism and um yes. like more quote-unquote eastern, eastern ways of mm-hmm. thinking so.
1: yeah and merton was really i know educated in those streams of thought as well with uh-huh. who is still to this date my favorite catholic author mm-hmm. um someone i still return to um uh-huh. i'm gonna visit the abbey hopefully soon for the first time where he lived you know in in kentucky uh-huh. um uh-huh. it's called the abbey of gethsemane and it's about two hours from where i live And uh, you can go there for just solo retreating or you can have a guided retreat. There's different, you know, things you can do. Um, But yeah, Merton really opened my ears and eyes, I think, to that as well. The sort of quote unquote Eastern concepts that he saw as harmonious with Catholicism or at least complementary, you know. Um, But yeah, just what you were saying reminded me of that, that, that there's a way to be hopeful without being hollow about it. Um, and without giving up on, yeah, despair. Yeah, it's interesting. Surrender and despair don't have to be synonymous, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite prayers that I discovered when I was, I was first kind of transitioning in high school from, I say the Our Father and the Hail Mary and like Grace Before Meals to like actually having somewhat of an interior life where I actually <laughs> like went a little deeper. My My brother went to a Jesuit college and he gave me a, uh, a book of prayers, like a prayer book. And one of the prayers in there was a Thomas Merton prayer. And it was like, the, my Lord, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't see the road ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And that prayer was like the beginning of my interior life, like just oh, praying cool. those words and being. And I think it, it matches up very well with this idea of surrender because he says, you know, I don't know if anything I'm doing is any good, but I believe I'm like, I'm trying, you know, mm. and I'm trying to try. And I believe that pleases you. So I'm going to trust in you, but also I'm not going to stop working. I'm just going to, even though things seem hopeless, I'm going to try to, to keep doing what I think I'm supposed to do, or mm. as they say in frozen Two, do the next right, the thing, next you right know? thing.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> That's good.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, so, uh, listeners, just so you know, mm. uh, I told Audrey, I would probably ask some personal questions and she's free to ignore any of them and we can snip that out so she won't even know that i ask any of them so just know that i'm not pinning her with any of these (laughs) these personal questions yeah this is
1: all consensual
0: yeah so there's a line (laughs) here um don't give up on your faith love comes to those who believe it how do you see yourself now do you do you feel like you gave up on your faith do you feel like it's like When you hear that line, like, does that resonate with you? Did you say, no, that's not what I, that's not what, that was not, not my experience. That's not what I did. Like,
1: Hmm.
0: what would you say is your faith life now?
1: So I was raised to believe that faith meant basically complete trust in the unseen realities that I believed that I was taught to believe about God. Um, Even, you know, regardless of feelings or circumstances, put your hope and your trust in this truth. Um, I don't know if that's the best definition of faith or not, but that's Mm -hmm. the, the definition that I was sort of brought up with. And so at this point I would say, no, I don't think I have faith in that way. Like I don't have an utter trust in anything specific. Um, so that's one thing. However, however, I feel like that's a little bit like, reductive about my inner life because I have a very rich spiritual inner life still. And I do experience that there is something beyond me. I don't, Mm -hmm. I've never really, I mean, there was a moment a couple, like maybe six months to a year where I really did sort of dabble with nihilism. And that was in about 2019. I had really just lost any sense of meaning and purpose. And that was, I think a necessary devil de evolution for me of just letting it all fall away and seeing what remained wow. in the ruins of even meaning itself. Cause I really lost touch with that. I, I really did. And it was depressing. Yeah. I did not like it. I was like, yeah, what, a, what a way to go into the pandemic. Yeah, it, exactly. And I really, it was, it was January, 2019 when that shifted actually. So I guess it was more like 2018 when mm-hmm. evergreen was coming out and uh-huh. Great I had, album by the way thank you way. i love that album i mean it yeah. was so sincere and such an attempt to hold on if you've there's a song on it that is like it's one of my least popular songs but you know <laughs> <Isn't> that <laughs> always fine um called unfolding that for anyone who's curious about where i was really at at that time that song says everything and the mm. way the way it came about was that I I had this moment one day where I was like when I say Jesus Christ I don't know if I'm praying or cursing anymore. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what I like I've just lost it's it's hard to describe because for someone who hasn't been through this total like inner shift of Having believed something for so long, and then suddenly, sort of over a few years, not really being able to access that feeling of certainty uh-huh. or that feeling of, um, not just certainty, because not certainty is not in a must for faith, right? I don't uh-huh. believe those two things have to exist together. I never yes. did. How well, at least, not as in my adult life, but, um, I genuinely did read so much from Catholic perspective and then outside of that and come to a conclusion that I'm like, I don't think I believe these things. Mm. I think that I believed them because I was building on my original beliefs of what I was sort of taught as a child. But if I really take a step back and look at all this, I I don't, I don't believe this. Mm. And, um, there are a lot of reasons why that might be true, but all this to say, it wasn't, I tried, I tried uh extremely hard to hold on it was a decade long effort you know a nearly decade long effort starting in 2013 when i first began to question the idea of hell mm-hmm. and then i'm reading the catechism i'm reading apologetics i was very steeped in like traditional and modern catholic thought um so it wasn't for lack of an attempt to hold on to it but I couldn't be inauthentic and say, I still believe these things when I didn't. Um, I don't think I gave up on it. I think that I came to acceptance of where I was really at. And, you know, faith for me now is pretty simple. I seem to experience that there's something bigger than me that binds us all together and that I think is loving. Um, And I hope in that, you know, when I go to bed and I'm, Depressed and anxious about the state of the world—that is what I try to remind myself of. So I guess you could say that is my faith. You know, mm-hmm. it's not very specific.
0: Yeah. I uh, first of all, thank you for for sharing all that and, you know, talking about humility. And before, I always try to remember when I'm I'm hearing the experience of someone who has walked a different path than me or responded differently to situations than, than I have, I always try to remember that not everyone has had the experiences that I've had. Not everybody has had the experience of church that I have. Like some people have been really hurt by people in the church. You know, Mm -hmm. some I've, I've had for the most part, like awesome priests, you know, I had an awesome youth group growing up. I had, um, you know, healthy, healthy, people teach me like a healthy view of sexuality and and those sorts of things that wasn't like based in, in, Mm. in shame and purity culture. And I had like awesome experiences of like worship and fellowship. And I always try to remember that I'm not better than other people that, because a lot of people haven't had those experiences, you know, and a lot of people, the priest at their parish was a total jerk bag or abusive, or, you know, they didn't have a, a, a welcoming situation. And, I really love that you say, like, you didn't give up, like you, you you dug in, you're reading the catechism, you're praying. And I think a lot of times Christians, we can kind of write off this process of what is popularly called now deconstruction Mm -hmm. of kind of going back and reevaluating what you've been taught as a child. And I, I think the process of deconstruction is important for, for everyone. And I think it actually can form the bedrock of a really strong faith And I think you're right that certainty, like mental certainty doesn't equate to faith. That's not my understanding. I don't think it's Catholicism's understanding. In fact, in in the catechism, and I wish I had the um, paragraph numbers in front of me, but it actually talks about the difference between like certainty and faith. Because what real faith looks like is not, I'm always 100% certain of these things. But even in those times when I'm uncertain, I still choose to trust. I still choose to go forward, take the next the next right step, you know, as, as again, they say in Frozen. And for me, in those times of doubt that I've had, in those times of despair, of surrender, giving up, whatever, I've tried to make the choice that I believe is e- – even, even if I'm not sure I believe in the power of love to conquer it all, I try to, like – almost act like it is like, well, what I want to believe is not kind of the the nihilistic world of nothing and nothing means anything. And there's no meaning and no purpose and no right and wrong or anything like that. I don't want to live in that type of world. So I'm not going to (laughs) go, I'm going to choose not to go down that road. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to kind of fake it until I make it in a way, you know, and I, I don't think that makes your faith fake any more than, a relationship with a, a loved one where you don't always necessarily have all the feels like my, my i am i am faithful to my wife not because i always have certainty mm-hmm. of her feelings towards me not because i always know what's going on but because I've, I've made a commitment and so being faithful doesn't always look like mental certainty and i think the same is true of our relationship with god and i think the process that you went through from a certain point of view could be described as as like very faithful, like doing your due diligence to like seek the truth, you know, because as Catholics, we believe God is capital T truth. So if you're seeking truth, like you're seeking God. um,
1: And I still feel that way. I, it's interesting. Like when I, in January of 2019, I did my first therapeutic psychedelic experience. And that was because I was having, still having symptoms of PTSD, even though I had done all this talk therapy and done all this, Four, four years of work, you know, and longer. Um, and I had been researching the promising, you know, effects of particularly psilocybin and mushrooms for PTSD victims. And um, I did that, and it was what brought me back from nihilism, actually. Because while I was in that state, in that experience, I experienced the love of God at a very cellular level. mm mm-hmm for the first time ever in some ways. But I came out with less beliefs that were very specific in any specific God. However, at the time that I did that, I was like, I don't even believe love is real. I don't think I even love my kids. I don't, it's just biology. I was depressed because that, that sucked. You know, like I didn't like that. I didn't like the feeling of having no meaning and no purpose and no sense of connection to something that is peaceful and deep and, Riverbed, you know, of of love undergirding all this, um, and so for me, it was actually mushrooms that brought me back to that type of faith in something good. I had kind of lost touch with that entirely. Um, yeah, and then I think there's a reason why a lot of people who do mushrooms come out with that kind of feeling because, you know, they're hey, they're plants growing out of God's green earth, right? Like, I they seem to have this. ability to sort of you know take us to some deep places so yeah
0: so I when uh when you first started sharing publicly a little bit of your journey I remember talking to a friend and somebody uh saying something like Audrey Assad I heard she kind of went off the deep end and started doing shrooms yeah
1: I think a lot of people think of it that way but I really went to it with the same reverence that I've always gone to spirituality, you know, it's sort of, it came from a real desire to heal. Mm. Um, and you know, they are very stigmatized in our culture, but if you do any research on the modern stuff, it's like, oh, this is actually medicinal for a lot of people, for a lot of things, including addiction and, you know, healing from abuse and stuff, um, when done in the right setting and in the right ways. Mm. And so I really took a risk with it because I was trying to heal and nothing had worked and I had prayed my whole life and done all this. Yeah. I tried so hard. I feel like I'm the queen of trying. I'm like, a, I'm a queen trier. I do not, I didn't give up, but I, I let go. There's a, there's a Taylor Swift song about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is me trying.
1: I didn't give up, but I think I let go. And I think that's different.
0: Uh-huh. Interesting. Like I've, I, I, I don't, I don't know anything about this. So I don't know enough to be like, Oh, this is crazy crackpot stuff. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, this is like cutting edge medicine. that's really <laughs> well researched or whatever. So I yeah. I don't, I don't in, I, I can't endorse it or sure, condemn it or whatever, fair, but it's interesting know? to hear your perspective. Um, so, what did this look like? Did this look like going to a doctor and then like giving giving you like a specific dose for your specific thing, or was it like sitting around with some friends and it was no, like, "Hey, I heard friends can help with PTSD. Here you go." Kind of
1: in between. I did about a year of research before I did anything because I'm mm-hmm. that way. I just don't. I don't do things quickly. Um, I read a book by a journalist named Michael Pollan called How to Change Your Mind, and it was a three-phase book, and I'll be really brief here, but it was a three-phase book about the history of psychedelics in the United States. Then he does a bunch of them and chronicles his experiences, and he's a very well-respected journalist who I already loved and followed, and so it was kind of like I had a trust with him you know, based on him and his journalistic experience. The third phase was about the research that's been being done for the last 30 years at Johns Hopkins University with psilocybin for addiction, for PTSD. So this is a very, I knew that there was a lot of research that had been done and was showing a lot of promising things. They're in third phase clinical trials with multiple psychedelics there for these issues. And so I didn't now, we live in a place where most most places it's still illegal to take mushrooms or to grow them, um, even though they're literally just plants. But I, which I think is interesting, Um, but I obtained some from a trusted source and basically went into a guided environment. It wasn't with a doctor because you can't do that uh, in most places other than in Denver and I think in Oakland and there's a few cities. I know (laughs) there's a few cities where it's been decriminalized, but it's very rare for that to be the case. So I can't really have access to a therapeutic setting, which is unfortunate because I feel like if we had that, then it wouldn't be, you know, There's so much potential for abusive things when they're not regulated and sort of done therapeutically. So um, anyway, I didn't have that access. So what I did was instead, I went with a really seasoned and experienced friend who had been through a lot of journeys and he sat with me as I went through it. And we did the dose that's commonly known as the hero's dose, which is five grams of psilocybin. And so it's the therapeutic dose, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a very intense experience and it lasts about six hours. And when I came out of it, I was a new person. I didn't have everything healed and fixed, Mm -hmm. but my OCD symptoms and PTSD symptoms went very quiet. Um, because I went through an experience of release and surrender in a, a state where you can't really control anything. And in that state, I heard like the Psalms spoken over me. Um, specifically like where can I go from your spirit where can I run from your presence mm. um if you make your bed in hell, if I make my bed in hell behold you are there I had that experience in my cells you know <laughs> it was like wow. like it's hard to describe but I and I've written about it a little bit on my blog here and there but it's very yeah it, it really changed the trajectory for me from nihilism to a sense of love and and, and of goodness and of meaning and of mattering you know um, so I'll wow. always be thankful for that. That was huge for me. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I'm I am so glad that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're fe- feeling in a better place. Me too. Me I've too. Read, again, I've never I've never I've never researched it. Most most of what I know is from what you've told me in the last few minutes. So, uh, um, but it, it it would be really interesting. You know, it, as um, from the Catholic perspective, we have great respect and reverence for science as a way yeah. of like pursuing truth. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think a lot of times, especially in American Christianity, we can kind of be like, no psychology, yeah. you don't need that. Just right. like pray your way but through. But they can be so complimentary like though. Trusting God. But yeah. And they yeah. really, they should go together. And I've had, I've had a lot of uh, Catholic therapists on my show for that reason, as I think they can go really well together. So that would be really interesting if this could be yeah. um, a way that, you know, modern, modern science and medicine could. I
1: definitely think so. I think that's what the research is showing. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. and I know I can't reveal who they are, but I know a lot of Christians who have done this Mm -hmm. because a lot of the traditional talk therapy methods have not worked for them. And it doesn't mean that you have to stop being a Christian. I know Christians who are still Christians who have done it. So it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, it's something worth reading about and why be scared of reading about something, right? It's like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen
0: <laughs> all right well let's go let's let's talk about this some some of her other songs what, what are like your favorite celine songs oh man
1: okay so well if you could see me now as I referenced earlier it's a it's a really really amazing like her bridge and her the high note she hits it's just top of the list for me um but I also love I mean I love so many I love that's the way it is actually which tracks because i love max martin yeah. um i've never been a heart will go on person my heart will go on uh, is okay yeah. it's not my favorite yeah. it's like i sort of skip that one most of the time it's if i'm listening yeah. um i love a lot of her french music actually so i oh, think cool. she sounds even better in french because her accent is so natural because that's what she grew up speaking she's yeah. french canadian and so i love her french work she has a record with this artist um named jean jacques Goma. he's a french (laughs) singer songwriter producer and they did some duet albums together that i love um she has a rec i've memorized one of her songs in french um which of course at this very moment i'm blanking on the title um
0: sorry i believe you but i
1: yeah there's a few of her french ones that i really love and then i you know i actually really love her version of um uh beauty and the beast (laughs) with people oh, Bryson, yeah. that's awesome really good. um I mean I love so many that's hard to choose mm. she's yeah
0: I think that's where a lot of people first heard her was the the Beauty yeah the Beast. yeah so uh one of my my wife's favorites is a Carol King song it's called you are the reason Ooh, yeah and uh she always she always says that that's like her her our, our song you know that's that it, cool. it, it Yeah, which which so. I had never heard of it before, but I really like it. Uh, Um, The other ones that I really love, I love All By Myself just because it's like so down in the dumps. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a great Star Wars meme that goes with it. Yeah, I've seen that. (laughs) You've seen that one? Yes. I I love that. And then um, the – what's the really cheesy one? The guy that um, wrote like – turnaround total eclipse of the heart it's all um, coming
1: back to me now it's all coming
0: back to me yeah and he also <laughs> he also wrote i would do anything for love but i won't yes. do that like he's written the cheesiest he songs has that have got ever a happened. style whoever that yeah. is um jim steinman i think is yeah. His yeah i yeah. love so come- to love you more have you heard that oh yeah uh-huh. i um, love that one um my wife my wife and i were listening to the all coming back to me now the other day and she was singing the lyrics as like there were nights of endless pleasure. There was more than any law allowed, la, la. and I was like, what is she say More than any there? laws wa- allow. And yeah. More than any laws allow. I was like, <laughs> "What sort of like kinky shit is uh, Celine doing that's illegal?" It's illegal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Like, what is going on? Here? That's pretty funny, um, <laughs> man. She has a song too that I heard. So speaking of songwriters that you hear in their style, I there was a song she put out in 2013 called um. Uh oh my gosh I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it because I had her songs pulled up it was called Oh Loved Me Back to Life and I heard it Mm -hmm. and I was like that sounds just like Sia and I Mm -hmm. looked it up and sure enough there was
0: so she's had some cool
1: writers in her corner over the years you know that's really she's very she's collected some good songwriters at her Uh disposal. Uh
0: So we, we really went in deep on that first song. So we, we, we won't have time to, to yes. dive into some of these other things. That's okay. That's I, love, okay. I love going deep. So it just is part, part of the show is sometimes the conversation goes deep. Sometimes we yeah, talk sometimes about a million wide, different things. Sometimes it's deep. That's cool. <laughs> um, but uh, two questions I wanted to ask you before the end is, what would you say to, like what advice would you have for someone who is kind of quote unquote deconstructing mm-hmm. or, or having doubts, who's um, feeling like surrendering and, a good way or a bad way, who's kind of, kind of struggling with nihilism or struggle, struggling, realizing that maybe they don't believe everything they thought they believe. What would be your advice for someone in that situation?
1: You know, perhaps ironically, I think this is actually very Catholic advice, which is to remember that you have a body. You're not just a mind. Mm. When I was going through deconstruction, I was obsessing a little bit for a time. There was like an obsession that I had and I've, I've been diagnosed with OCD. Spiritual OCD, you can call it scrupulosity. There's other names for it. Um, I think that both in my faith and my deconstruction, I struggled with not being obsessive and fixated. Mm -hmm. So one thing that really helped me was to remember that I am not just a mind, I'm not just a brain, I'm not just my I'm not my thoughts. I am a body. I live in a body and I am an incarnated being, and so I have to take care of that body. If I'm yeah. going through something, anything, anything hard, whether that's losing a loved one or deconstructing your faith or getting divorced or you name it, right? Like nourishment and movement and mindfulness and water and like physically taking care of yourself well, will help whether you'll help you weather whatever is happening well and relationships as well. I think that, um, maintaining relationship throughout, like not siloing off not going into your corner and reading for 10 hours and not talking to anyone about it. I really, I felt that the echo chamber of my own mind can become very disorienting and overwhelming. And so those were the things that for me felt important, um, just to maintain health because it can get kind of, for me, out of balance where I'm just, that's all I'm thinking about. That's all I'm worrying about. It's all I'm doing is figuring out what's real and what's true. And and it's like, well, what's the pressure to figure that out today?
0: Mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're right. That, that focus on the body and the mind. Yeah. Just both because
1: we are both and yeah, they need are. to both be in balance, you know, for health to be there. So that would be my mm-hmm. advice primarily. Mm-hmm. Now
0: you were kind of in a particular situation because as a Catholic, you were also like Catholic celebrity, you know, right. cri- you, know you were you, <laughs> you, were, do- you were doing, yeah. yeah. Professional Catholic. So for you to make this change was not just like you're going to a different church, but now your like livelihood. Yeah. You know, like I, I know there's some people that won't sing your songs at mass yeah, anymore
1: or listen, which I fully yeah. respect. Also, uh-huh. I want to be clear with anybody listening who has that perspective. Like I respect yeah. that. I don't mm-hmm. insist that anyone mm-hmm. should still listen to me and I get why they might not want to
0: um would yeah would what what would you say what was your your reaction from your catholic friends do you feel like they were like no we love you no matter what was it like Mm. no you're shunned we're never gonna talk to you again like
1: most of them backed away into the bushes without saying anything is how i would put it i most Uh of them and i lost a lot of community and in this whole Mm. situation a lot like my whole my whole community just kind of gone Mm -hmm. um there are a few who have really remained with me and we still have Uh close friendships, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and I don't think just deconstruction is like, there are lots of things where life events happen and people drift apart. I don't, you know, that's okay. Um, it was a, it's, it's painful. It was painful and I had a lot to grieve, but, um, generally speaking, yeah, I lost all of the community that I had and not in any flamboyant way where people were like, we just own you, you know, like there were Uh lots of people on YouTube that say stuff like that, but like (laughs) the people I actually know didn't do that for the most part, but a lot of them did just sort of fade away. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't know how to be my friend maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, which I understand too. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. And when you, when your whole friendship is sort of based around the things you're doing together, the rhythm of life, that is your faith practice. And, Then you, what do you have in common beyond that sometimes? Right. And that's, that's okay too. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that was hard. And I think the public response was what I expected it to be, which was some people who are like, I understand or I don't understand, but it's okay. I love you. And then there were Mm -hmm. a lot of people who, and still are, you know, who are pretty mad about it. Yeah. Which is fine. That's what, that's their experience, you know? I'm like, okay. What
0: what would you say for, Catholics like what what would you say to to Catholics who have friends who have had your experience like what what's the right way to, yeah. to go about it if, if, if they have a friend who's deconstructing maybe they're not going to church anymore maybe mm. they've expressed that they've changed their opinions on some stuff like what's the Yeah. What's the right, what's the, what's the way to do it. That's not backing into the bushes slowly. And what's the one that's not. That's a good question. Shun go away.
1: The first thing that I think of is just what I think I would hope I would ask myself if I were feeling anxious about where a friend is heading Mm -hmm. or a family member. And what I would want to ask myself is why does this bring up so much anxiety in me that they are having a different experience than I am? What is that about? And why do I feel that way? Because if I believe that God is X, Y, and Z loving and will pursue the people that he loves, you know, all the things that come along with a deep, pious Catholic, you know, belief, Mm -hmm. then what am I anxious about? And am I leading with that anxiety in this relationship? And if so, why? Because honestly, regardless of why that might be or what it's about, like if it it could be anything, like I said, a divorce, um, someone coming out as gay, someone... Um, not being Catholic anymore, someone deciding that they want to go be a clown in the circus. I don't know, like whatever, (laughs) whatever the change is, Mm -hmm. why am I so anxious about it? And What does that mean for me? Because I think that a lot of us have led with, and I've done that. I have absolutely done that in relationships in the past where I've sort of let that anxiety lead how I approach them. And Mm -hmm. that has damaged our relationship. And so that would be my main advice would be to just, a little bit of self-interrogation or a little bit of self-examination about that feeling that rises up in you when someone that you love is going through something that you don't really agree with or feel like you would land in the same place. Because mm-hmm. I like to ask myself, do I want to be friends with this person when we're old? Then mm-hmm. I've got to go through life with them. You can't, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, that that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah. I think that's helpful. All right. Well, I think we're going to bring this in for a landing. So first okay. of all, I just want to say, Aji, thank you for being vulnerable and being willing to, again, discuss this with strangers on the internet who, and sometimes those strangers aren't always nice. So <laughs> I appreciate you being willing to, to come on here. It's been, it's been a good conversation for me and I hope for, for many of our listeners. At the end of my episodes, I always ask uh, my guest if there's one thing that you would take away from this conversation, what's, what's your takeaway? What are you walking away from this conversation thinking about?
1: I feel that there is more in life that connects us to everyone else in the world than there is that divides us. I do feel that. I think that even if, even in a world that is full of divisions, when you really look at people across the world, across traditions and beliefs, we are more alike than we are dissimilar. I will admit that there was a phase where I did not feel that way about Catholics for a while. I was like, no, we, you know, I'm like I was just feeling like I'm in such a different place. I'm so far away from that. And, you know, I turned 40 this year. I'm so old and mature now.
0: <laughs> Me too.
1: But in middle age, I'm realizing, like all of that is really my invention, the invention of my mind. A lot of the divisions that I have felt in the past between people and beliefs and are things that I'm sort of putting on transposing them on the situation. Whereas, um, from this conversation I'm taking away today that regardless of where I may land in my beliefs right now, there's so much to discuss and share Mm -hmm. with people who believe differently than I do. And I value that. And I think that enriches my life. I would hope I would never be in a position where I'd be like, no, I'm not going to talk to that Catholic person about me. You know. Like that's so prideful and so mm-hmm. um, reductive and unfortunate because I always want to learn from other people too. So that's what I'm taking away is that um, there's always something to learn from someone and something to share with them as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think my takeaway from this is kind of what you were saying when you talked about so many of your friends kind of slowly fading into the bushes and a as you said that there's like specific people in my mind that came to mind and it's like, well, since they made that life choice, I haven't really talked to them. (laughs) And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily all my fault. They could have reached out more too. But I I think when people are going through big transitions, like you want to reach out more, not less. And I think I've let the craziness of life, not, not any malice or or any disappointment in, in them, but just the awkwardness of it, uh, kind of get in the way of maintaining some of those relationships. And so that's, I think the challenge for me is to try to reach out in humility and in love and compassion to some of those people that maybe I've faded into the bushes or they've faded into the bushes and not worry about whose fault it is or who moved first, but just try to, try to make some reconnections there. So that's, that's that's what I'm taking with me. That's what I'm going to be praying for. So at the end of our episodes, we often end in prayer, which I'm happy to lead. Would you be all right with that? If we close listeners, let's take a moment and pause and pray in the name of the father and son, Holy spirit. Amen. (sighs) Heavenly father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We ask that you would guide us in all that we're doing. We ask that you would guide our journeys. In the Catholic tradition, we believe that you see us, that you cover us with your providence and that all our efforts are part of your plan. That doesn't take away our responsibility. That doesn't take away our free will, but we can have confidence in that. And so, Lord, when we have times of doubt, when we have times when we're not sure what to do, Lord, help to guide us. And I want to end here with the words of Saint, uh, well, he's not a saint, at least not yet, but at least not officially, but Thomas Martin. And he said, my Lord, my God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you. Always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear for you're ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Audrey, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I know I'm just a stranger on the internet who reached out to you and asked you to bear your heart and soul. <laughs> so Well, I felt you did that,
1: that in good faith, and I appreciate your spirit about it.
0: Awesome. Mm. Fantastic. Audrey, if people want to know what you're up to, uh, where, where should they go? Where, yeah. where can they um, listen to new music and all that?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram and TikTok. You can just look me up by my first and last name, Audrey Asad. I'm on Facebook and Twitter too, but I don't do don't do do not a ton on any of those platforms, but I am sharing mm. music there. Um, and then obviously Spotify, Apple Music and such to hear the new stuff. And it may not be your thing um, if you're <laughs> you know, not going through what I'm going through. But I hope that it's at least um, meditative and and beautiful and something worth checking out. So I would definitely love if people did do just a quick little check out of these new songs and see what they think, and if it's not their thing, it's all good, you know.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank you listeners for going with us on this conversation, which again is a little bit different than what we normally do on this show, but I hope you learned something and you found it edifying. If something in this episode touched you, if it made you think, if there's somebody that it's making you think of, I would encourage you to send it to them. That is a little way you can spread God's love and also it helps out the show. If you really want to help out the show, there's two ways. other ways you can do that. You can go to catholicmerch.store and Buy some awesome Catholic swag that supports everything at Awaken Catholic. And also, the most direct way to support the show is by going to popculturecatechism.com and becoming a patron. You can choose from one of six giving levels, and you get all the talks that I give in my speaking ministries also, as well as some exclusive content that comes out uh, with our episode. So I want to thank all our patrons, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa Bob Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, and Tom and Emily. Why don't you go down in the comments and tell us your favorite Celine Dion songs or tell us, tell us your thoughts charitably of, of, of course, uh, be, be nice to Audrey because she was very kind in coming here and being vulnerable with us. So I, I trust that you'll be respectful. Um, Audrey, thank you once again. It was so nice to talk to you listeners. Thank you so much. God loves you. We will see you next time.